0: Going to begin in Durham, where eleven schools are closed today in the face of a massive employee sick out. A lot of teachers and staff calling in sick today as a pay dispute continues. Staffers pushing back against a change to the district's salary schedule that effectively means pay cuts for many employees starting next month. Closed schools today are Lions Farm, Forest View, Lakewood, Spring Valley, and Smith Elementary, Lucas and Gidden Middle Schools, and Riverside Jordan and Northern High Schools, plus the school. Teachers and staffers will be rallying outside the District Staff Development Center at 10 o'clock this morning and then again at the Fuller Building at 2 this afternoon. Now to Pittsburgh, where town officials got more good news yesterday as testing continued to indicate extremely low levels of 1,4-dioxane in the water supply. That's after a spill of the chemical into the Haw River last week in Burlington. The town briefly stopped pulling water from the river in response. Town officials say they believe the situation has passed, but they're still pulling a lower amount of water from the river for now, and they're still urging residents to reduce their non-essential water usage. Residents who want drinking water can get it. You can stop by Chatham Marketplace and pick the that up from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Staying in Pittsburgh, new Mayor Kyle Shipp recently got appointed to a federal advisory position, a spot on the EPA's Small Communities Advisory Subcommittee. He discussed that appointment with our own Andrew Suckey on 97.9 The Hill.
1: Yeah, I'm really pleased to receive that appointment. And um, I saw a, a in a email about clean water from, from one of the newsletters that I follow, I saw that come through in November, I think, that that was an opportunity. Um. So I put in the the application and some of the uh, reference letters and things like that for it, and then was notified in in January that I was I was selected for that. So you know we've we've taken a lot of steps in Pittsburgh to address PFAS in in particular and these other unregulated contaminants and done a done a lot of study and work on the the regulation uh, process and and how it works and maybe how it doesn't work, and so to to be able to have a, a seat nearer to that table of of how a lot of that goes and then in particular show how it affects us in you know a small any small town really you know and and with our financial limitations and uh you know how those interact with with regulations and stuff i think it's really uh, important to do that so happy to be able to represent Pittsburgh uh and north carolina on
0: that that's pittsburgh mayor kyle ship there you can get the full conversation in the news on the hill section of our website chapelboro.com over to campus now where abc 11 reports unc hospitals is asking federal officials to look into a cluster of cancer cases involving current and former employees who worked in mcclendon clinical labs at least four and possibly over a dozen employees have been diagnosed with cancer in the last 20 years that is out of more than a thousand who've worked there in that same time Turning now to state news, an advocacy group has filed an official complaint with the U.S. Department of Education challenging a pair of anti-LGBTQ laws passed last year by the General Assembly. A complaint was filed in Asheville yesterday by the Campaign for Southern Equality. They're challenging one law banning trans girls from playing women's sports, plus the so-called Parents' Bill of Rights, which, among other things, bans teachers from discussing LGBTQ issues in early grades and requires schools to out-trans students to their parents even without their consent. The group's complaint follows last week's decision by the Chapel Hill carborough City School Board to approve a policy effectively refusing to enforce those anti-LGBTQ provisions in the larger Parents' Bill of Rights law. Also in Raleigh, state election officials have issued a new policy tweaking enforcement of a new state law tightening the rules for same-day registration during the early voting period. A federal judge blocked those rules last week as overly burdensome on voters. No word yet whether the new policy will pass legal muster. Finally, this week is Forum on the Hill Week here on WCHL. All week long, we're airing 15-hour-long panels with local leaders discussing critical issues affecting our community every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Forum kicked off Monday with a trio of panels on housing. Among the panelists was Jennifer Player of Orange County Habitat for Humanity, which got a big grant that same day from the Truist Foundation for a community center at its mixed-income Weaver's Grove development in Chapel Hill. Here's Player during Monday's forum discussing Habitat's home preservation program. program to help make older homes more energy efficient.
2: What we see is that these are people who, you know, they own their homes. Many of these homes have been in their families for generations and they physically can't upkeep them, but they can't afford some of the renovations. And so um, we come in and we do a lot of work, but really when we think about sustainability, these homes because they're older are in very poor conditions. And so we have people who have energy bills every month that might be three times what their counterparts are. Um, And so there's a real cost burden on the energy efficiency of those homes because they're paying so much in their bills every single month. So we just got a grant from Orange County Climate Action Fund to do weatherization for some homes in Orange County. But I think we just don't talk or think a lot about the conditions that some people live in that you can't necessarily see from the outside and the impacts then on their health on their well-being. We have folks in our community who are living in houses with lead paint and asbestos. We have kids who, you know, the number one reason why kids miss school is because of asthma. And asthma is completely preventable, but they're living in homes that are making them sicker. Mm. And so I just think it's something important to talk about with sustainability, both the equity of sustainability and how that ends up getting transferred and people who are in marginalized communities, communities of color, end up paying more because they don't have the ability to keep their homes energy efficient.
0: That's Jennifer Player there. You can listen back to that panel of discussion at chapelborough.com slash forum on the hill. You can also just go to chapelborough.com. and got a link to the forum page right there on the homepage as well. Tune in today from 3 to 6 p.m. for three more panels on small businesses, the future of Southern Chapel Hill, and how to bring the liberal arts into skills training. I'll be moderating that one. Time is six eighteen. Time now for sports brought to you this hour by Olmaz Jewelers. The winning streak is over for UNC men's basketball as the Tar Heels fell to Georgia Tech last night, 74-73. UNC led for most of the first half. They were up by as many as 11 before the Yellow Jackets came back to tie it at halftime. Second half was the reverse. Ted, Tech led most of the way before UNC came back to take the lead in the final minute, but Tech's Nathan George hit a shot in the closing seconds to regain the edge, and R.J. Davis missed what would have been a game-winning shot in the final seconds. was Jones Angel on
1: the call. Inbounds it to Baycott at the high post. Hands off to R.J. Davis. He drives, took contact. Can't finish. The ball's tipped up. No good. Davis wants a whistle. He did not get it. And Georgia Tech It's going to upset Carolina.
0: A lot of contact on that play, but no foul called. Carolina had already had chances at the free-throw line, but missed 8 of 17 free-throw attempts, also shot just 36% as a team from the floor. After the game, head coach Hubert Davis.
1: First half, I mean, I just didn't think we were playing very well. I felt like in the first half they were... Or played like the more hungry team out there. I felt like the energy and the effort in the second half was really good and, you know, just down the stretch they made one more play than us.
0: Despite that one missed shot at the end, R.J. Davis carried the heels throughout with 28 points. No other Tar Heel scored in double figures. Now UNC's got four days to get back on track for the big one, Carolina Duke at the Smith Center Saturday night. Once again, Hubert Davis.
1: You know, when things don't work out your way, you can stay down, whine and complain, point fingers and make excuses or you can get back up and move forward and so there's really no choice but to get back up and move forward and I'm very proud of this team thus far this year. So, regroup and, you know, learn from the mistakes, grow from them, and uh, make sure in our next game we don't make those type of mistakes. And
0: Super Davis there on the Tar Heel Sports Network. Notwithstanding the loss, R.J. Davis did get big honors yesterday. He was named AP National Player of the Week after averaging 30 points a game and wins over Wake Forest and Florida State. Davis also made the mid-season list of 10 candidates for the Jerry West Award, which goes to the nation's top shooting guard. Carolina men face Duke on Saturday. UNC women's basketball is up first, though. They're on the road at NC State tomorrow night at 8. Other Tar Heel athletes also got honors this week. In the pool, Tar Heel senior Aranza Vasquez Montano is your ACC women's diver of the week. Third week in a row for her after she won the 1-3 and three meter events to lead Carolina to a win over Duke. In men's lacrosse, UNC's Paul Barton has been named preseason All-ACC. Carolina's lacrosse season begins next Saturday, February 10th. Meanwhile, in football, a Tar Heel legend is returning to Chapel Hill to join UNC's coaching staff. Head coach Mack Brown announced yesterday that Brian Simmons will take over as pro liaison and senior advisor to the coach, taking over for Daryl Moody, who retired after this past season. Simmons was a first-team All-American playing for Brown at UNC in the 90s before spending 10 years in the NFL. After that, he spent eight years as an NFL scout and another eight years as a high school coach. Mack Brown says that makes him uniquely suited for the pro liaison role which connects UNC players with NFL scouts. Turning to baseball, bad news for the Diamond Heels as starting pitcher Jake Knapp is out for the season with a UCL tear in his throwing arm. Knapp had been voted as one of the team's captains during the offseason. He was 5-4 with a 5.04 ERA last year. Speaking of baseball, spring training is about to get underway for major leaguers, including a Tar Heel alum Zach Gallon, now an ace pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They got to the World Series last year before losing to the Rangers. Here's what Gallon told us about rebounding from that disappointment.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of just kind of grew up with that compartmentalization that I was able to just move on from, from tough losses or whatever. I mean, I'm super competitive, but I'm also understanding that, like, in this game, you know, sports and baseball specifically, you have to have a short, you know, short memory, um, you know, whether you're successful or unsuccessful. So, yeah, I mean, I think just kind of, you know, just maturity, just getting older, understanding that, you know, the ball's not always going to bounce the way you want it to. Um, but I think I just I got lucky just as a kid, like I just was able to, like I said, compartmentalize those, just kind of digest them um you know this was probably maybe the biggest you know unsuccessful part of my career um but there were still some things to be proud of so i think that that helped um being able to get over you know uh, getting to the world series and then just falling short you know there's still things that we, we had this miraculous run and, and, you know, some for the fans to be happy about, some for the fans to cheer about um, and kind of bring the energy back to, you know, for baseball in the city of Phoenix. And Zach
0: Gallon. there. You can read a full transcript of that conversation on our website, Chapelboro dot com. And elsewhere in sports, a new twist in the ongoing legal battle between Florida State and the ACC. FSU has filed an amended complaint against the league that now explicitly names former Commissioner John Swafford. FSU is trying to get out of the ACC without paying the heavy, heavy penalty required to escape the conference's grant of rights media deal that runs through 2036. They've argued that ACC officials acted in bad faith when making that deal, and their new complaint offers specifics. They say Swafford deliberately favored TV partner Ray Raycom Sports over his own conference because his son was an official at Raycom. No word yet on the timeline for next steps in that ongoing legal fight. It is going to drag out, expected to drag out for some time to come.